Hey listeners, Chloe here. If you need to stay as up-to-date with the latest developments and innovations in the luxury industry as I do, you need to dive into Vogue Business. It's your ticket to a global perspective on fashion and beauty, delivering exclusive insights that will give you the edge in this competitive, dynamic industry. Just visit VogueBusiness.com today and use the code RUN20 at checkout to join the Vogue Business community. That's VogueBusiness.com, promo code RUN20. Don't miss out. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. This is The Run-Through. I'm Chloe Mao. And I'm Cho Minardi. And we have a friend here in the studio with us today, Virginia Smith of Vogue. She's the global head of fashion. Virginia... This is very exciting. Welcome to The Run-Through with Vogue. Thank you, Chloe. Can so glad you to be here. introduce yourself to us? Yes, I'm Virginia Smith, and I'm the global lead for fashion. What does that mean? Your guess is as good as mine, Chloe. <laughs> but, uh, um, I basically sort of lead the Global Fashion Network, uh, which we, is a network of editors that work across Vogue, GQ, Vanity Fair, Allure, Glamour, Teen Vogue, and we work globally as a group of networks together, a.k.a. a lot of work. (laughs) I don't think a lot of people know how many territories we work with. How many do you directly work with? For Vogue, um, which is sort of the largest fashion team, we work with a large group in the United States, a big group in the U.K., and then we have teams in Italy, France, Spain, Mexico, India, Taiwan, and Japan. Wow. Wow. Okay. I want to talk about some things that everyone's been thinking about this week, which is, I feel like since the end of last week, everyone's been very ruffled about Law Roach's Instagram announcement right after the Oscars Mm -hmm. that he is retiring. I don't know Law. I'm a student of his work with Zendaya and others, but What's your takeaway from this? Because then he also did a, a podcast interview with Lindsay Peoples. Yeah, it was actually a really great interview. And I, I watched it in bed on a Saturday morning and I couldn't believe I watched the whole thing. But wow, his story is so compelling. Yeah. And hearing him tell his story, obviously, his he's had tremendous challenges in his life. I mean, he talks about it in this interview, how his mother, how he had to kind of basically raise himself from a very young age. His mother left him alone when he was 14. Yes, yes. So he talked about constantly being in like survival mode. And I think a lot of his responses and the way that he's had to approach the world and this, what the world of fashion, like he's always kind of felt that he's had to be, he's kind of on his own, finding a way in, having to be really scrappy and really put all of his passion into it because he, I mean, it was interesting hearing him talking about it. It sounds like he has like zero life work balance. His work takes up his entire life. It takes up his entire heart. You can tell he's so passionate about what he does. And I think for him, he has gotten to a point which I think few celebrity stylists or stylists in general get to where he has become a star in his own right. And I think you get to that point and you start to think about, well, 
what's my worth in the conversation around fashion and and what I'm doing and what I'm giving and is there room for me to expand in another direction and I think that's the conclusion he got to obviously there were lots of details I think it all started at the Louis Vuitton show because there was seemingly not a seat for him next to Zendaya and he's so used to they came up together I mean I interviewed okay, but she's the star so is she's that- yes she's the star but like have this symbiotic relationship. I remember going to interview Zendaya backstage and she did that Tommy collaboration. And it was like, he they completed each other's sentences. Like, it's a real co- collaboration. Okay, but creativity does not a seating chart make. No. <laughs> no, and I think that was probably like the straw that broke the camel's okay. back. I don't think it was the reason that he's retiring and obviously like... He's also very good at social media, so it was, he, he knows how to get people talking. He used it as a moment to really tell his story, in my opinion. Can we also say, like, who he styles, what he's yeah, known I for? Yeah, I mean, he's also—he he's, he's, he styles Zendaya. Carrie Washington. Carrie, Carrie Washington. I mean, the list is endless. Um, he dressed Hunter Hathaway. Shaper Anne Hathaway. Hathaway. like, Hunter feather. Shaper. Was that Lueve? And, and Demula Mesa, yeah. Oh, uh, it was basically just a feather as a bra. Uh, to the Vanity Fair Oscars party. I don't know law, but I will say that there's takes some chutzpah to insist on being called an image architect, not a stylist. <laughs> I'm just going to say that. Law is a, is a tour de force. There's no getting around that. You're always at the beck and call of everyone else if you're in that position. And I would imagine after so many years of that, it's just there's a limit to what you can take. As your star rises, your team gets bigger. And I think he's very focused on having a very personal, close relationship with the women, mostly who he styles, and I think it becomes more challenging when there was when you when your team grows bigger and there are so many people and that, the lines of communication the lines get of, yeah clogged. so many stakeholders yeah suddenly yeah, yeah. you're not it's not just an intimate conversation yeah. everyone has an opinion I, that's that seems extremely frustrating I would completely understand that so law's a good uh, a reminder in self care maybe let's uh, let's have that be the takeaway yeah and and putting yourself first yes. Um, <laughs> and if you're going to retire, go big. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Jeremy Scott of Moschino announced yes. he is not retiring but departing. For me, I just associate him with loud hamburger moments. Is there more nuance to it than that, Virginia? I was sitting there the first time we had the first Jeremy Scott Moschino show, and I was frankly like a little like – Wow, McDonald's. Okay, unexpected. (laughs) But I have to say, you know, I think he brought a huge amount of energy around that brand. And ultimately, I think he got a lot of devoted clients around that brand. And I think he's done a really tremendous job for Moschino. I mean, people were always talking about it. It was clever. Because a lot of them were like very gimmicky or Trump loy or truly Katy Perry, no joke, wore an actual foam hamburger to the Met Ball. Uh, um, I don't think it was to the Met Ball. It was to the after party. I feel like I remember her walking up those stairs. <laughs> I mean, she's as worn a, a chandelier and a hamburger. Oh, was it? I see. The chandelier <laughs> might have been for the Met and the <laughs> after party might have been the hamburger. But Still nevertheless. Still out there. Oof. Out there. <laughs> Splitting fries. <laughs> All right. You know, I say he's done an incredible job, but I can see how after 10 years he's ready to pass the baton to someone else. So, And where is his baton going? I mean, he obviously has his own brand that, you know, I'm sure he'd probably like to pay more attention to. I don't know. I read something today. 
and it sounded like he might have something else in the works, but he did not want to say. Yeah. So. Mm. I got I, the sense there's a lot of mystery around what he's... I, I don't think he's quite ready to announce the thing. But there is. Okay. it does seem like something's cooking. Okay. It's And it's not fries. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, bad joke. <laughs> it feels fitting. <laughs> Uh, I also feel like everyone's been talking about the Lauren Collins New Yorker article about um, yes. Demna and Balenciaga. I feel like most people haven't read all of the article, but... Um, um, I'm raising my hand. <laughs> I'm saving it for that Saturday morning when I can just oh, lie yeah. it. <laughs> Full disclosure, Virginia has it printed out right here so we could all take a look and, at it. Unfortunately, something wrong, and it's literally become a 50-page book Virginia right here has that a I can... 50-page printout that looks like fifth grade flashcards. In a font flashcards. that I can read from here. <laughs> an, it looks like you're giving a history report. In sixth grade. <laughs> but since you have read said article, why don't you give us some, the highlights? <laughs> Here's what I will say. For you two, who right. are deeply versed in the language of Damna and Balenciaga and the past five years of him at the brand, there's not a ton that you won't know in the article. For me, who is Damna adjacent and doesn't, I don't go to the shows, I don't know the ins and outs of it, I found it to be extremely helpful contextually. I thought Lauren did a great job of centering him in the cultural conversation. Lauren's a great uh, Paris-based New Yorker writer. She does sort of every great profile from France, and she describes him as a combo of P.T. Barnum and Walter Benjamin, which I thought was great. <laughs> it's like it's both the showman but also the critique of the culture at the same time. And also on the, the heels of this past show where he really made a point of going back to the the roots of the craft, and he, you know, he said, maybe I was born to be a seamstress, not a designer, and the show invitation was a jacket pattern that you could actually take to your tailor to have made, which I didn't realize. Oh, I didn't realize that. That's I cool. hope you That's... kept it, Choma. We did not. <laughs> <laughs> but Lauren did a great job describing the last, like, five shows, which I remember, of course, seeing on social media and hearing about. He was known for these great shows of pageantry and showmanship that were both very theatrical and based in in play, like he did a Simpsons film, but also real commentary on socio-political situations and and also had quite a lot of sort of, you know, coy humor in it, like recreating the EU parliament. Yeah, that, um, was, that was epic. So I, I did think that Lauren did a great job of, of just sort of setting the scene for those of us who might not be as Balenciaga fluent. Oh, I wanted to see if anyone uh, is excited about Succession. Oh, my God. So excited. Because I feel like people haven't been this excited about a new season of a show since White Lotus. Feels like a big cultural moment. But our colleague Taylor Antrim wrote a review. He watched the first four episodes and truly it was like he couldn't gush enough. Wow. He just said it was a transcendental experience. <laughs> what day does it actually go like? Sunday evening. Okay. Ooh. I watched an episode of Swarm, which everyone's What's talking that? about. Oh, I have not seen that. How I don't is even that? know what that is. Guys, Ooh, get know, ready. So it is Donald Glover's new show. Okay. It stars Dominique Fishback. It is basically based on a true story of a of a Beyonce superfan who in kind of gets embroiled in this kind of grisly beehive. Is that why it's called Swarm? I don't even want to know if I want to give it away because okay, it's okay, so okay, okay. Sounds amazing. Yeah. So she's a she's she has a, this roommate and it, they're they're best friends and there's a boyfriend involved and there's a cheating situation and then it gets very dark. Hmm. 
Mm. And I've only watched one episode and I'm obsessed. And I love I love Dominique Fishback. She's adorable. Ooh, okay, that's yeah. one. And she's been doing some really cute looks on the red carpet in the last couple of years too. She's she's adorable. I'm I'm very here for her. Okay. I am completely obsessed with Drive to Survive. Oh, I, oh, I don't know which, what that is. Oh my God, you guys, it's been on for like, oh, this no, is like I, season heard, four or five. I keep five. hearing about this. I have no idea what it is. Okay, it's about F1 racing. Which, oh, wow. What do I know about F1 racing? But that's my, that led into my obsession to Lewis Hamilton, as you yes, know, which yes. we discussed in depth. But the whole thing is amazing. That's your next assignment. I'm Celeste, and I'm here with Jade and Emily, and we are so excited to announce our new show, After Hours. We're three female founders who became friends through, well, trauma bonding over entrepreneurship. These days, we come together after work to discuss the highs, lows, and hilarious moments we all experience as we build our companies in our 20s as first-time founders. We're dishing advice, spilling secrets we wish we knew so you don't have to make the same mistakes we did, oversharing in the best ways, giving our legal teams anxiety, and peeling back the curtains behind startup life. So close your computers, we know it's hard, and pour yourself a glass of something because After Hours is now in session. Have you ever owned something that inspired you to up your game? Maybe a chef-grade range made you want to hone your cooking skills or a high-tech tennis racket made you want to work on your backhand. I recently bought a new pair of running shoes and that made me love hitting the pavement again. Well, when we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX, luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. This podcast is supported by Macy's. Whether packing for a destination vacation or planning a backyard staycation, Macy's has what you need this summer. Shop the easiest and breeziest brands like Nina Parker, Vince Camuto, and Dolce Vita. Macy's has all your must-have items from sundresses to matching sets to wedges, beach bags and towels, you name it. Stock up for summer at Macy's. Shop at Macy's.com slash own your style today. That's Macy's.com slash own your style. Describe your style for people who maybe don't know. Well, I have a pretty much a, a uniform at this point in, in my life, which is mainly a sweater and a pant of some sort. And I'm Very particularly chic, by the way, <laughs> guys. It's usually a wide leg pant. It's yes. usually a wide leg pant. And that it's usually is, a boot of some sort. It's usually a boot of some sort. Maybe a sandal. Of, well, I have on... Celine by Phoebe Philo today. Oh, so good. I bet um, you're – I mean, we're all excited for Phoebe. Oh, my Starbuck. God. I am, like, waiting with bated breath. We're saving up. But I'm – I, you know, I I like a particular silhouette, and it, I'm not so particular to the brand as I am the style. And what's your go-to dressing up outfit or brand? Uh, well, I wear a lot of Dries, mm-hmm. as you probably both know. Yes, I'm yes, a big yes. fan of his. So <laughs> I have um, – it's usually Dries. I have a, a dress that I love, a skirt that I love, and then um, obviously a, a bunch of um, pants that I love from him. But You're one – someone I think does black tie pants the best yeah, of anyone I know. Yeah, and they're always beautiful, embellished, or there's some yeah. – 
sort of special Thank twist you, to them. <laughs> a little bird told me, aka your best friend Victor, that used to work in politics. And oh my so, god, like, Choma. For some crazy reason, I ended up working for Secretary James A. Baker III when he was at the Department of Treasury. Now, bear in mind, my my family is completely Democratic. My middle name is Fulbright from J. Wow. William Fulbright of the Fulbright Scholarship. He was a United States Democratic senator, one of the most liberal senators for quite some time. So how in the world I ended up there, who knows? I was in Washington. All my friends had a job. I just graduated. I did not want to go back to Dallas. I grew up in a town called Texarkana, Arkansas, which is, and I'd gone to college at SMU in Dallas. And I really did not want to go back to Dallas because I had com- just broken up with a boyfriend, which I just, my way of breaking up with him was never to call him back. So, <laughs> you got you know, I was him. very mature at that point in my life. So I would, I was like, finally, my parents were like, you either got to get a job or you got to come home. And I called my poor mother and say, well, I got a job. And I said, well, it's working for James A. Baker III. And literally, I thought she was going to have a heart attack. <laughs> but it ended up being sort of an incredible experience. But I did realize that, you know, politics was not going to be what I wanted. <laughs> yes. Fashion beckoned. New York beckoned. Exactly. So exactly. then what happened? I ended up moving to New York. I went to actually FITU for, and did a one-year fashion buying and merchandising program. Huh. And it was great. Um and then from there, I got a um, internship at a company called Ancline, mm. and were, ended up working there for a while. And from Ancline, I went to Calvin Klein. Are they related? They are not related. Okay. Uh, they were in the same building. <laughs> Had to ask. And the reason I got the job is because I held the door open for Gabriella Forte, who was then oh the gosh. CEO of Calvin Klein. She's since become a friend of mine. Chivalry but she, is not dead. Exactly. You know, she was quite a force. She still is a force. And they were all, Robert Trefus was my boss at the time, who's now wow. at Gucci. But yeah. he was like, I could tell, very nervous about me meeting Gabriella, right? And I walk in. She goes, oh, I know you. You held the door for me. And it was after that I could do no wrong because I'd held the door open wow. for You just never know. Good. Listen up, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Manners pay. Exactly. Do. You never know. So you did PR at Calvin. I did PR at Calvin. And at a very interesting time. I mean, what was it like being at Calvin in those at that time? So this was the late 90s. Okay. Late, late 90s, early 2000s. And um, it was incredible. It was when Calvin the man was there. Yeah. And, but uh, what led me to Vogue is that I decided after eight and a half years, I'd wanted to take a break from Calvin, and I really didn't know what I wanted to do, and I didn't want to look for a job while I was at, at Calvin. So I talked to Calvin about it, and the day my um, leaving was in Windsor Daily, I get a phone call from Tony Goodman asking me to come see Anna, and I was like, what are you talking about? And she said, well, Wendy's resigned, and Wendy Hirschberg was the market director for Vogue. And so I come in and see, you know, meet with Grace and Tani, who I sort of, you know, knew, obviously, from working at Calvin. And Grace then I, Coddington. Grace Coddington, Tani Goodman, you know, icons. Mm. And, you know, then I go see Anna. And I think it was really, you know, a situation of ignorance is bliss on my part. You know, it was just <laughs> like. You were like, you I know, have no idea what I'm walking like, into. I really didn't. And I didn't have any time to think about it because. What did you wear? Well, of course, I don't all black, which is, of course, oh, yeah. you know, no, not, no, not no. exactly. No, no. But I don't know. No one told me that either. Well, mm. listen, I was at Calvin. It was like black and minimal. But I think the, the thing that probably did save me 
is that, you know, it was definitely in the, the time of everyone loving all the European designers. And she right. asked me who I love. And I said, I actually do love Calvin Klein. You know, I've always worn it. That, I think, right then she sent me, go go see HR. You know? <laughs> so. Anna Winter does not love black. Yeah, she rarely no, she wears it herself. I've never seen Anna in black. I've seen her in black, oh, but she, there's always something else. You saw the vintage Chanel at the White House. Yeah, that it was, was fabulous. Fab. That was one of my faves. But yeah, she's instance. she's more a fan of a rainbow of florals than yes. a black on black yes. look. So you started what year? I started okay. in 2002. So it's been 20 years. It's been 20 years. and which What's is, the biggest difference from when you started to now in your job? Oh, God, where do you begin? When I started, there was a a group of editors, Grace Coddington, Tony Goodman, Phyllis Posnick, Camilla Nickerson, that were icons in the— of Were their, you intimidated when you started? Yes, I was t- uh, terrified of these women. I mean, terrified. <laughs> <laughs> I would come they in at the crack of dawn, fearsome. and I would Ooh. have, like, you know, every single hanger, you know, perfectly lined oh up. I would, like— you know, if that Chanel was not getting hair, I was on the phone. <laughs> well, explain what, what that means. Like, what are you doing for these women? So my role, particularly in the beginning, I was a, a market editor. Is what we're called, and I, it's, it's sort of an archaic term at this point. But Why? Because I feel like our, the roles have really expanded so much. But I, I think in the beginning, it was probably to differentiate between the editors that go on shoots and produce those shoots and style those shoots, which are were typically at that day in time called sittings editors. Now they're more commonly referred to as stylists. But and the market team is the team that really calls in all the clothes, all the shoes, all the accessories, all the jewelry. So we're really wanting to make all of these editors very happy and certainly <laughs> new on the job. I was like, if we weren't getting that one Chanel look, I would be like, ooh, sweating it out with Grace. <laughs> but um, So is this at Four Times Square? This was at Four Times Square. Okay. Yes. And I feel like the thing I'm asked about most is – what is the closet really like? Yeah. Is the closet no like Devil Wears Prada? Is it like uh, Sex and the City? And it's not. But can you describe? There's a new closet now. Yes. I mean, yeah, how's the know. closet changed? Well, the closet at Four Times Square was, you know, not impressive. Let's it face wasn't, it. It really no. wasn't. It was, I mean, it might have looked good in a couple of those Sex of the City things, but oof, in real life, it was, it was quite small. small. And windowless, obviously. Yeah. yeah. And you remember, we worked in the hallways of a four times square. Like, all the editors had a rack outside of their office. Yeah. And we worked in these hallways that had very little lighting for some inexplicable reason. But that's how we worked. But we did, did have a steal small... things from racks? Oh, are you kidding? All the time. Right? Camilla, Tawny, I mean... <laughs> Camilla and Tawny were probably the worst. Sorry, sorry, ladies, if you're listening, but you know it's true. Um, I mean, Tawny is amazing. At, at, she, we used to say Tawny could do, like, ready, set style instead of ready, set cook. Wow. She could, like, make anything. She could just take things off of everyone's rack and make her own story. She's pretty it's remarkable like that chef. way. Yeah, she is. It's very top chef. Grace can't be bothered. If it's, if it's not Prada, Grace is not interested in <laughs> Send it home. <laughs> Hilarious. So the closet, but now like, the closet yes. is a whole different ballgame. Because it's nicer, or be like, are there more things? Are it's there actual huge. clothes there? Well, it's a it's a 
global fashion network closet. Yeah. So contrary oh, wow. to what Vogue believes, it is actually not just solely for, no. for Vogue. No. It's Vogue and GQ, Vanity Fair. Oh, you know, wow. Everyone shares a closet now? Everyone. But it's it's huge. And there's incredible light. And we have very fancy fitting rooms oh, fitting that rooms we can gorgeous. use. There's fitting rooms? You oh, have yes. to go in there. There's, I haven't been. Oh, my there's God. There's great sofas. There's you wallpaper. Can, it's, sofas? I'll take you there The after fitting this. room take is yeah. equal to the size of a small studio apartment in New York. Yeah. They're yeah, it amazing. Is. It's bigger than my apartment. But for clarity, I feel like people are always saying to me, oh, can you just go borrow a dress in the closet? I'm like, oh, good uh, grief. No, no. no. You can't There's do no that. clothes in the closet unless they're for a shoot. Yeah, there's clothes that are for shoots, but we don't just, like, take things out for a spin. But because there are shoes. Spanks. <laughs> There are <laughs> lots of shoes. There are shoes, undergarments, Arm- hats, undergarments. accessories. If you need a Spanx for an event, I have definitely gone down to the closet and be like, help me out, guys. Yeah. I need some to smooth out. <laughs> so there's like some, I would say, bench Manolos. Like Manolos that are just waiting we to be We have a little Manolo secret closet. Yeah. That's locked up. For special oh, it's purposes. under lock and key. Oh, it's I, under did, lock not, and I key. did not know. Actually, we should talk about the run-throughs because the namesake oh, of yeah, I know. You so sort of no stole one knows that. We, so, we stole it. We stole it from you. We do because we'll, neither I've never I think I don't think I've witnessed a run-through but I've actually never like had to lead a run-through. God, no. <laughs> so the run-through is what we call the process of when we show Anna the clothes. So what typically happens is that once we decide on a story, we'll, what we do are called pool boards. And what that means is that we make digital boards of all the looks that we're planning to use for that story. And is it you and your team making it, or is it the stylist first making it's it? It's sort of a combination, to okay. be honest. So we show those to Anna and usually our creative director and a, a group of people just to sort of say, this is the idea, this is the vibe of the story, so everyone's sort of in the loop. And then once that sign-off happens, we actually start calling in the close, and we do that um, a few days before the shoot so we can all, you know, see like, oh, that was a surprise. That didn't look exactly the same in real life. But we put the story together on the rack and that's with the sittings editor and then whoever that is and myself go in for the the run through, the infamous run through. And that's when we really go through the looks with Anna and then we'll talk about. And in her office. It's in her office. It's, you know, we're rolling the rack in her office unless it's a huge thing and then she will come down to the closet. But usually we're rolling a rack into her office. And we just go through it, and we and then we'll talk about the location and anything else sort of pertinent to the shoot, and, you know, that's it. And then hopefully, you know, she gives it her approval and we're done. If, if you know, there have been times, particularly in the past, where we got sent out to, you know, begin again. Oh, my or God. Or we can no. do better. We can do better. What are some memorable cover shoot stories yes, or give us some fun ones or any dramas of having oh, to airlift a sequin in the most memorable shoot recently is probably rihanna the oh, rihanna yeah. oh shoot, that one was mad. which was, Choma, yeah, you know i was in the basement that was anyway. in the base. <laughs> that's one of my favorite vogue.com videos so is when she tells annie what does she say Bitch loves a balcony. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was Alex, epic. I remember oh. we had our big meeting in Paris the next this morning. This was the oh, Rihanna yeah. cover shoot, pregnant at the Ritz in Paris. Yeah. Choma wrote the story, Virginia. Yeah. 
provided the clothes for the story. Yes. yes. Alex Harrington styled it. Yes. There were many custom. I mean, wasn't it all custom as well? A lot of it. I mean, yeah, because the Alaya pieces were the Alaya pieces were incredible. I mean, they just looking it at was them, amazing. They were up. like molded and and really beautifully done. And you know, we we found out very close to um, that shoot date that that she was pregnant. So we had to sort of regroup, and that shoot had gotten delayed a few times. So wait. I'm sorry, you already had pulled the clothes thinking she wasn't pregnant? Yes, it was happening. At one point, it was happening in, like, December. and then that Yeah, in Barbados. And then it got moved. I think it was in L.A. for a moment. And then finally it ended up in Paris. But by that time— Which was divine timing because it was perfect. It was amazing. Yeah, and she was just at the peak of her, like, pregnancy glow. It was perfect. Okay, I have an important question because you also dress many people for the Met, many people for the Tonys, anyone for like a special event who's a FOA, friend of Anna. What is the best gift or what are some of the best gifts you've gotten as thank yous? Because I think many people do not thank you at all. But some people are surprising and send nice gifts, right? Flowers are the are the nicest gift I've gotten. And, you know, a lot of people really don't acknowledge the effort, so it's really nice when someone does. And you know what? Amy Schumer sent us oh, really? chicken wings for her cover. Oh, that's kind of fun. I was like, yes. <laughs> Down for the chicken wings. Anna Hilarious. Was, like, horrified. Hilarious. <laughs> of course she sent chicken wings. Well, let's end on chicken wings. Yes. <laughs> Thank you for joining us so much. Thank, Thank you, guys. you for Virginia. Fun. Bye. This is The Run Through. We'll be back in just a moment. And we're back with the run-through with Vogue. I can't believe it's been over a year since the Russian invasion of, of Ukraine. I know. We spoke to Svetlana Bevza, who's the founder and creator of the Ukrainian uh, fashion brand Bevza. And we talked to her right at almost the anniversary. Mm. And She'd m- recently moved back to, to Kiev. She and her two young kids evacuated to Poland, and then they ended up in Portugal for a while. But her husband's been fighting on the front lines Mm. for, you know, the past 12 months. Um, So it it was really interesting to hear what her day-to-day life is. And what I found most interesting was how, in some ways, things are very much the same. Her kids are going to school. She's going to the office every day. But in other ways, it's extremely different. Yeah, her husband's been drafted into the military. He's been serving his duty for the last 12 months. So there's been some real uncertainty and ups and downs with that. There's electricity shortages. Her line of production has been completely disrupted because a lot of her stuff was made in Ukraine. It's really interesting to hear what Quotidian life is like during wartime. Mm. Hello. Hi. How are you? I'm good. Where are you, Svetlana? I'm in Kiev now. Oh, you're in oh, Kiev. Oh, you are? Wow. Yeah, I'm in the office. You still have headquarters in, in Kiev? Yes, we do. We just closed for first uh, one and a half months since we started, but then reopened. Wow. Yeah. You and your kids went to Portugal for a little bit. Now you're back. Will you tell us sort of what your trajectory has been over the last year? Well, we left Ukraine uh, with kids uh, after a week of, uh, from in February. And how did you leave? 
it took 24 hours on a bus till the to get to the border of Ukraine. Usually it takes around uh, seven hours, but everything was blocked. So, yeah, we spent 24 hours there. And then by car, we left uh, the border, through the border, and then reached to Portugal. Sorry, you went to what border? With Poland or Czechoslovakia? No. Okay, And I should say thank you so much because you were the reason that my cousin was able to get safely out of... I remember this situation. Uh, Will you tell us the story, Choma? It was like Svetlana was our fairy godmother. So my cousin was studying medicine in Ukraine. So he traveled up to the Polish border, but he was having trouble getting a a hotel to stay and, and... and Liana, who is um, a former a former Vogue writer who's who's covered many many designers in in um, in Ukraine and, and travels to the Ukraine often and is a good friend of yours, Liana. She put she put out a message on Instagram saying that my cousin was stranded and needed a place to stay, um, and they turned him away because they were turning away a lot of African students. It was just, it was racism, ultimately. And Svetlana was able to call the hotel and persuade them to take my cousin in. I just called to the hotel and uh, told them, like, everything is fine. Just give this boy a room. Uh, He needs to spend a night in the hotel. So they were just afraid. They Mm. didn't know what to expect from anywhere. I mean, all, all Ukraine, we were all terrified during the first months, uh, our team was hiding in basements. Somebody left uh, the country uh, within the first week. Uh, and we had a chat. We still have it. And it's called, are you okay? Are you safe? So wow. basically, that was our conversation during the first months of war, because we couldn't understand what can happen tomorrow. I left to Portugal because uh, there are a lot of production. Oh, interesting. Yeah, to check maybe to relocate uh, our office, our team there. But it never happened, actually, because what I... uh, It was my big surprise, actually. Um, A lot of people, producers from here and from my team, they told me that they don't want to leave the country. Mm. Not everybody wanted to leave the country. Uh, yes, probably those people with the small kids wanted to secure and uh, moved to the, somebody moved to the western part of uh, Ukraine, somebody moved to Poland because it's nearby, but not everybody. And what a trend I see now that a lot of people coming back to Ukraine. Actually. Interesting. After how long? Like they're coming back in the last few months or they came back, you know, six months ago or soon after everything happened? Actually, I think it started on a fourth or fifth month uh, of war. Wow. What does your life look like now? Like what since you've gotten back to, you know, I know you're you're showing in Paris, you're able to produce and your team is back together. What what's what's your day-to-day been like since you've been back in Kyiv? Well, uh the same. Only uh you know, when there's sirens, we hear it very often in the office. First months, we used to hide in the corridor just for security. Now, we don't, I don't think if it's good or bad, but we don't pay much attention to that. That's that's the reality. I wouldn't wish to anybody uh, to experience things like that. And I never thought that I could witness war in my life. 
but uh, I think it saves my my emotional state to go on. And the same is with the team, because if we stay home and do nothing, um, it's much harder to survive emotion. Mm. And you have two young kids, correct? Yes. I have a son. Uh, Mark is eight. He will soon turn five. And Anna, my daughter, is four years old. And are they, is school back in session? Do you feel safe having, leaving them at school all day? Actually, daughter stays at home and Mark, uh, he goes to school and they have this basement, uh, which is very well equipped. I checked it and um, every time when there are sirens, they go down there and continue uh, their school day, school program. Obviously, this this upheaval must, you know, I can't imagine what it must, you know, how it affects your day-to-day life and how it affects, you know, how you view the world. I'm wondering how this is informing the way that you work as a designer, because I I know that you've always included, you know, Ukrainian imagery or references, Mm -hmm. and that's been important. You know, being a Ukrainian brand is something that you're very, obviously, proud of and is part of of who you are as a designer. How does how does an experience like this inform how you create? I'm very proud of my team, actually, because I was in Portugal, and uh, while doing the spring-summer collection, the production team, Atelier, uh, they were here, and we managed to do this online, everything online. So I just sent them sketches, and uh, I went back to Ukraine in August just to shoot the final lookbook. And, you know, the meanings, the codes, uh, which uh, are the part of storytelling about Ukraine, uh, we used them multiple times during the seasons because uh, I see fashion as a very strong voice. And uh, that is why we dedicated this collection, of course, to Ukraine. I didn't think, I would say, put by our efforts is to tell this story and to show that Ukraine, it's a very rich culture, actually. You were talking about how a lot of your motifs uh, reference Ukrainian sensibilities and symbols. I love your wheat shaft necklaces and earrings, but can you just describe those to people who haven't seen them? So basically the main symbol, the spikelets that we launched uh, in 2019, uh, is just uh, earrings and necklaces, then they look like a spikelet, and it's the main symbol of our fertile land and the Red itself is a sacred thing in Ukraine uh, during uh, centuries, through the centuries. And there are a lot of traditions. Even when you get married, getting married, you always do it with bread. When you go to meet somebody important, you always bring bread. So bread saves lives. And uh, other our countries survived, came through this artificial hunger where are all of your pieces produced, manufactured, or is it all made in, in Ukraine? Yes, basically 90%. Wow. 100% were produced in Ukraine before the war. Tell me a bit about your, you know, how you came to fashion, how you fell in love with fashion. It was from the very, very early childhood. My mom remembers when I was around five, I brought her a sketch. I still have it, actually. Um, and... Uh, there was there were two buildings, and I told her that it's a fashion houses because I literally thought that 
fashion house is a building. It's a house. <laughs> and so in that house, uh, there were dressing rooms, uh, people's beds. So people, uh, girls only, had to <laughs> sleep there and dress there and uh, go to each other to have some parties. Sounds like a, a dream. I, I want to I live in a fashion I- house. You oh, yeah. do. Don't worry. <laughs> yes, I do. And I told my mom I want a fashion house. Uh, I loved to to draw sketches, but mainly mainly dresses. So that's how it just happened. And but then I grew up. I didn't know where to study. So I was advised by my parents to get a normal education, as they said. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm an economist, basically. Uh, you studied economics. Yeah, interesting. I did. Okay, well, that's helpful, probably for her own brand. I remember brand. nothing from there. Okay, but <laughs> never I mind. Helped a bit, maybe then. I risked to, to open a small atelier in Kiev, and it was a bet with my friend. I told her that I will do my collection in sixty days, and she was hard uh, on a new job. And she also had a 60 days to launch a big project. The, the matter of that was a bottle of champagne. Uh, we both won. So we had the champagne together. When you grew up, what, what access to fashion or fashion media did you have? Because I imagine growing up in, in you, did you grow up in Kiev? Yes, what? I grew up in Kiev. Um, was it magazines simple. or was it, I mean, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. TV so, or yeah. what was your kind of, what were your first impressions? Your fashion and what you, diet. Yeah, what were you, what were you looking at? When I at? was a kid, I remember the catalog, Quelle and Neckerman, no Vogue <laughs> magazines. First, first I heard uh, the word Vogue. Um, my mom's friend and uh, she had a pack of cigarettes. Vogue. And I was studying in uh, English in school, so I read, like it should be in English, I read Vogue. And she said, no, you have to read it Vogue. And I asked her, what does it mean? I was around 10 or 12. Uh, so she explained me that Vogue is fashion. That's how I know this word. Oh, my God, I love it. <laughs> well, Svetlana, we just wanted to say goodbye and to thank you. Yeah, thank you um, so much for doing this. But it's been such a treat to talk to you, and, and we're thinking about you and your family. And- uh, it's a huge honor for me because when I think of, oh, my God, a Vogue podcast, <laughs> let me not just think about that because I would get too nervous. <laughs> so I'm just thinking of a pleasant conversation with, with, the, with the smart ladies. That's how... <laughs> It was a really lovely conversation, and we're, we're so thank happy you, so- you were able to join us. All right. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. The Run-Through is a production of Condé Nast Entertainment. I'm Chomanadi. And I'm Chloe Mel. That's it for The Run-Through this week. We'll be back in two weeks. Bye. Hey, I'm Molly Sims. And I'm Emma Shagormley. We are two best friends with one common obsession, beauty. beauty. And by that, we mean everything that makes you look and feel beautiful. 
We tried it all and we've got your back. We'll be calling on all our favorite health experts, industry insiders, and friends to answer all your beauty questions. Consider us your beauty 411 and sometimes your 911. From how to fix brassy hair to the pros and cons of laser facials and always with a cocktail in hand. Always. So be prepared to be obsessed. Check out Lipstick on the Rim wherever you get your podcasts. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at betterhelp.com. That's betterhelp.com.